Hi, I'm Shane Safir. And I'm Alcine Mumby. And this is Street Data Pod, where we dream about next generation schools that affirm, love, and value every learner. Here we have conversations about healing, hope, and listening at the margins. Alcine, we're here. We're finally here. Where are you, by the way? Because I know you travel all about. That is always the question to ask me first, where am I? I am in your hometown, Oakland. I'm here in North Oakland for the next few days. Nice. So where are you, Shane? Yeah, we're ships passing in the night. So I just drove last weekend from Oakland to Victoria, British Columbia via Ashland, Oregon and Seattle along the way. Took my kid on his first college tour at University of Washington, Seattle. Very exciting. So yeah, I'm up here for folks who don't know for the school year where Kai is going into 11th grade, but hoping to graduate early. I can't. I know. It's going very fast. You knew Kai when he was baby. It's crazy. Too fast. So this podcast, the Street Data Pod, is a dream manifesting. We've been talking about it for quite a while. So we're going to start by just sharing with you all who we are, a little bit about who we are, and what brought us to this pod. I am Shane, Shane Safir. I am the daughter of David Safir and Kim Fredericks. I am also the great, great granddaughter of John and Johanna Joyce from County Galway, Loch Conartha, and the great, great granddaughter of Chaim and Fanny Popkin from Poland and Russia. And I've had the privilege to visit um, one of my ancestral places in Galway, this um, stone hut where John Joyce was born before he immigrated to Oakland, where my home is, not where I am today, but where my home is and where I've mostly raised my children. I think by professional identity, I'm really a teacher first. My favorite job I've ever had was being a high school teacher. I love adolescents. I love teaching adolescents. We'll talk about that more later. And why this podcast is really because this book and the model of street data is, is kind of caught fire in the field. Like people have been really energized by it and reaching out to me and to Jamila and we're doing a ton of work around it. But the podcast to me felt like a different entry point and a way to really democratize the knowledge that's in the book. I, I want people to feel like they, it's not just this one-dimensional thing. I read the pages and I try to do it, but I struggle. But to be able to hear from folks in the field, the guests that Alcine and I have cooked up for you all, these amazing stories of how they're bringing these ideas to life. And not just how they're bringing it to life and, you know, dog and pony show, yay, but how they're struggling, how they're wrestling with how to do this. It's such a great and humbling learning opportunity to get to do this with Alcine, a friend of mine for a long time, nearly 20 years. And that's really what I'm holding as the as kind of the why. With that said, who are you, Miss Alcine Mumby, and what brought you to this project? So I am Alcine Mumby. I'm the daughter of Janet Cecile and the granddaughter of Lucille Isilda and Etna May. And all three of those beautiful women, I like to say, are in a less organized form. They're still with me, but they're my ancestors now. And I get to be the living um, embodiment of their dreams and their hard work. And who am I? I was a teacher in the South Bronx, Fannie Lou, in the late 90s. I came to this work, I came to education through assessment, actually, just really understanding that data is important. That's what I love about street data. It really helps us shift what we mean by data and information. And so, you know, to be able to have these conversations 
in this medium because as another thing you should know about me is I love podcasts as a medium of like hearing people's story and moving through different ideas and worlds and um, so I'm just really excited about doing this with you because we've been we've been doing a lot of learning and living <laughs> and leading together over the decades that we've known each other. So my hope and intention for this podcast, first of all, my hope is that through this podcast as like a medium for learning, that the concepts that we're talking about and the stories that you're hearing make street data feel more accessible, right? So that folks feel excited or hear an idea and they say, wow, let me go ask my students in my classrooms this question that I heard and then have that engage them in a, a whole beautiful learning journey when you, when you center students as the folks who are going to teach you the most in this profession, right? I think secondly, it's also, I hope, and my intention for this is that, especially as we get deeper into some of these topics and we start to unfold, uh, you know, some things that we start to model not as an exemplar, but as an example to model what it means to have conversations across differences, right? There are so many differences in terms of our identities, um, the three of us doing this work together. And so I'm, I'm curious and excited as to like what, how we're gonna bump up and rub up against each other and the ways in which your ideas and the ways in which you might say something that I might not initially agree with will shift and inform my thinking. And that's my hope and intention even for listeners. What about you, Shane? What's your hope and your intention for this podcast? My intention for this podcast is pretty simple. I really want people who are listening to feel less alone. feel like teaching as leading schools has become increasingly isolating and kind of an alienated profession. I'm not saying anything new when I say that particularly in the U.S. we are just profoundly undervaluing educators and treating them as disposable and wringing our hands about why folks are leaving the classroom and leaving leadership positions but actually not doing anything to attend to the structural conditions that lead to that outcome. So my hope is for those of you who are in the classroom, leading schools, leading districts, um, committed to this work, that you'll feel a sense of connection to a larger project of humanizing schools, to a larger project of, of equity, of anti-racism, that at the end of the day is rooted in relationships and is rooted in love. Yeah, it all comes back to love, doesn't it? I love that. I love that answer. What are some conscious ways that we want to move through this project together to support our intentions. So a couple that I've been thinking about, one comes from the professional learning that I get to lead with Jamila and these agreements that she found in the Aorta Anti-Oppressive Facilitation Guide. And there's a particular agreement that I think speaks to me and really speaks to people when we're doing you know, professional learning, which is we can't be articulate all of the time. So I hope that we will model not needing to come to these conversations with some like pre-baked, canned, hyper-formulated answer that this work is messy, these conversations are messy, we're going to be wading our way through publicly with you all who are listening and with some vulnerability, but with hopefully the ability to hold that it's okay to, to not be articulate in everything we say. 
And then secondly, I'm hoping that we can just hold space to explore these big ideas through our conversations. You know, we kind of embody that principle of seeking root causes over quick fixes, that we stay with the questions with our guests and each other and just keep digging deeper until we feel like we're at a place of insight and consciousness and like awareness rather than trying to wrap things up as we get to the end of an episode. How about you? What are some conscious ways that you hope will move together through this project? You know, for the past few years, and you, you've been on this journey with me where I've just been living into um, being in my body more and really using my feelings and even those gut feelings that you like going back to your conscious way to move that we can't even articulate sometimes because we can't even describe the feeling, but that is still data. That is still information. And so one of the ways that I hope we move through this project together and even with our guests is to just check in on how things are feeling. What, what felt good? What gave you butterflies or what made you, you know, what ignited something or made, you know, the hairs on your, on your arms stand up because it was such a, a good idea. And then also what felt a very scientific term, what felt icky? Like I, I, I like icky is a, is a real thing in my, in my world. And I, and I, think that that is such a good word sometimes to describe those unnamed feelings that we can't be articulate around. And I think the second thing that I think is a great way to move through this project together, and I hope our listeners also kind of move in this way, is something that I have seen you do and you have held space for me, is to understand that when I share an idea, you don't tie me to that idea. You allow me to say something out loud and give it, give me time to percolate on it and think about it. And you hold space for it. And these are all like, it, it just feels so supportive. And, and so it gives me the opportunity to share an idea, but not be wedded to it. And I just really appreciate the way in which you have held space for me to play with some ideas over the years. And I I hope that's what happens for our listeners in this podcast. So I'm going to ask you, Shane, what do people get wrong or misunderstand about the work that you do? I'm in this moment in my career trajectory where I get to work at different levels of the system, but sometimes it's often it's at the district level, sometimes it's at the state or ministry level or the county. And I think what people get wrong a lot is that we are widely deluded into thinking that we can write the perfect policy, the perfect strategic plan, the perfect schedule change, the perfect technical fix to deep, complex human-centered generational issues of inequity. And we keep coming back to that and then wringing our hands when we get the same results time and again. So I think, you know, my core belief here as hopefully represented in the book and hopefully through these conversations you and I are going to have with folks is that the work really begins in the kinds of small human-to-human conversations that oftentimes we don't want to have the hard conversations we avoid, the things that live, as you pointed to earlier, that live in our bodies as tension and data, but we don't listen to, we go home and shut it down, or it comes out through a distorted way of communicating with somebody. And so I think if we can just figure out, 
you know, if the street data framework can help us come back to what is most important and what most drives change and transformation, that it's through these conversations. It's through muddling together toward grappling together toward our shared humanity and sitting in the really uncomfortable moments together, but with love and with grace for each other, which you and I have been blessed to do many times. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about. We've had opportunities to do that, and we will talk about those at some point too. Okay, Alcine, I have a question for you. What is a form of data we should all be paying attention to right now? That is such a beautiful question, Shane. And so that gives me an opportunity to bring my mom, Janet, into the space. My mom used to run a home daycare center and she would have the little babies and she was like the toddler whisperer. And most of what they did was play, but it was like all educational. You know, like it was, it was like they were learning so much. And so I believe that in this day and age, A, we should be watching how kids play with each other, especially coming on the heels of this like endemic, never ending pandemic. And so that means we should be thinking about what are the opportunities that some of our kiddos get to play. And by kiddos, I'm also meaning high schoolers. How are we allowing young people to have unstructured time? And if we don't, what does that mean about our belief about who they are, especially if those young people are black and brown and indigenous and don't look like the teachers in the classroom? Mm-mm. Play. Mm, I love play. that. I love it. And so what is a type of street data that we should be paying attention to right now, Shane? So for me right now, it's student stories, student stories, student stories. Listening, inviting, oral, written, visual, photographic expressions of students' experiences of the world. Because when we don't have that, we have a mismatch between the kind of pedagogy and assessment and school culture we build and who students really are and what matters to them. So as we go back to school, hopefully people are finding opportunities to use the book to really invite through empathy interviews, through Kiva panels, through fishbowls, the centering of student voices and student stories. Thank you all. We'll see you soon for our first formal episode with Dr. Christopher Emden. Fasten your seatbelt. It's so good. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, Shane. Thanks, And thank you all for listening. Street Data is executive produced and hosted by Shane Safir and Alcine Mumby and sponsored by Corwin Press. The senior producer is Maya Cueva and our associate producer is Alice Lopez. If you want to learn more about street data and get your hands on a copy of the book, visit Amazon, Corin Press, or better yet, a local, independent, or Black-owned bookstore. If you like the show, subscribe and give us a five-star review. And if you found us rambling and bumbling, remember, we can't be articulate all of the time. That was good. I thought that came out way better. I did say subscribe like my nephew who can't pronounce bees. But anyway, it's all good.